Good morning. You can uh, see the title to the lesson this morning. Edwin was filling out the announcement sheet and he said, uh, what's the title of your lesson? I said, what difference does it make? <laughs> no, 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 wait a minute. That, that is the title. <laughs> what difference does it make? <laughs> And Gerald and I were talking, I said, that's kind of PC uh, appropriate nowadays, isn't it? And that kind of approach that people would take to a lot of things. What difference does it make? Like, you live your life, I'll live mine. And just what difference does it make? But uh, that is the title of the lesson. And uh, we'll jump right in there in just a moment. But uh, we want to extend uh, a warm welcome to visitors this morning. And glad that you are here. Brian, thank you for your comments at the Lord's table this morning. Very good. Edwin, thanks for filling in for Daniel and while he's sick and so forth. So let me go ahead and pull up the introductory slides. We've been studying from the book of 1 Corinthians uh, on Sunday mornings, and there was a lot of division that existed at Corinth, and there's still a lot of religious division today. And so, but what difference does it make? Well, there's three questions that I want to ask this morning. Is God the author of confusion? Are we all going to the same place? And then where where are we going? I think I told you recently in talking with a young lady that I formerly had in class while I was at Park Hill South, a wonderful young lady, and she attends a, a, a local group up in this area where she worships and so forth, and she was telling me how they get together from time to time, and I kind of felt like it was kind of an invitation, come join us type thing. And she said, we all worship the same God, so we just don't worry about, you know, the details too much. It's just like we just we, we worship the same God. And a lot of people would take that approach. Well, let me say this as we get into this particular lesson today. This is not an attack on somebody. It is not. <laughs> but it is an appeal. Just to take a look at what God's Word says and then make a decision about that. What difference does it make? Does it make a, deci- does it make a difference? I believe that it does, and I believe that God's Word plainly teaches that, and it's important for us to understand that, and then make the appropriate application to ourselves and to help others to understand also. So I'll just go ahead and pull up that first slide there. Is God the author of confusion? Colby read for us this morning from Ephesians 5th chapter and verse 17, where it says, Be not unwise. But understand what the will of God is. So Paul is giving a command, and if he's saying that we should understand what the will of God is, then surely we can understand what the will of God is. But it takes work in order to do that. He read from 2 Timothy, the second chapter in verse 15, Study to show thyself approved to God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed. I like his translation, it says, Handling accurately, the word of truth. There is a way to handle God's word so that we make proper application of it. I would add to that 2 Timothy 3, next chapter over, where he says that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, so that the man of God might be thoroughly equipped unto every good work. What he's saying is we can understand it you got to read it and study it, but we have everything we need so that we can make application of it, and we can be in a right relationship with the Lord. But oftentimes, 
as you talk with various individuals, sometimes they will say, well, you believe one way and I believe another, and we all believe in the same God, so what difference does it make? And that's sort of a justification of whatever might believe, whatever might be practiced. But I would just ask these questions along those lines. What does the scriptures then say about salvation? How can I be saved from my sins? What does the scripture have to say about the church and its organization and its work? What does it have to say about worship and how we should worship God? Does it say? I believe that it does. You have a right to ask me. And we should have good and honest hearts. I want to know what God's Word says about salvation. I want to know what God's Word says about the church. I want to know what God's Word says about how I should worship Him. And if a good and honest heart is seeking, then we should try to the best of our ability to give a good and honest answer to those kind of questions. And that we should always, whether you're not a Christian and wanting to know about it, or if you are a child of God and you're growing, what does God's Word have to say about a variety of topics and subjects? As we talked about in class this morning, and I pointed out from 1 Corinthians 7 and verse 1, and then verse 25 and 8 and verse 1 and 12 and verse 1 and and 16 and verse 1, Paul addresses various topics, right? We recognize that. And so what do I, what does God's word say and and what do I need to know about religious division? Does he address that? Yeah, he does. In the very first chapter, doesn't he? He says, I want you to all be of the same mind and of the same judgment and speak the same things. And then as we talked about this morning, he talked... He talks about marriage. And what does God's Word have to say about that? And then what does God's Word have to say about even chapter 16, the contribution? (laughs) And he addresses other subjects in there also, the Lord's Supper and worship and so forth. What's God's Word have to say about that? And so we should be interested. What What does God's Word say? And we should all be striving to grow. And we should maintain a teachable heart. There have been times when I was wrong. Can you believe that? <laughs> and then you learn something and you say, well, wait a minute, maybe I didn't have the right understanding of that. And you come to the right understanding. All I'm saying in that is this. Always be ready to examine what God's Word says. And if we come to understand the truth and we haven't been applying it, then we should be willing to make those changes within our lives. Over in 2 Timothy, the first chapter in about verse 13, Paul says, Hold fast to the form of sound words which you have heard from me. We can come to understand the truth. And then Paul says, hold fast to it. But I want you to keep in mind what Colby read this morning from 2 Timothy chapter 2 when he says, study to show thy word 
or study to show thyself approved of God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing or handling accurately the word of truth. When you read through the scriptures, we, we know this, right? So I'm not telling you anything that's new. <laughs> I'm hoping to remind you of old things and then we make application of it and we share it with other people. We talk about the patriarchal age from the Old Testament when God spoke to families through the heads of men, the patriarchs, and gave instruction. We talk about the Mosaic age, right? When God gave the Ten Commandments through Moses to the nation of Israel. <laughs> right? And then we understand that when Jesus came, He brought a new covenant. A new <laughs> covenant. A new arrangement. A new agreement. And so that's what we live under. So let me give you a quick illustration. So let's suppose somebody was just wanting to know. They said, I'd like to read God's Word and I'd like to come to understand what He would have me to do. And so we say, yeah, great, well, let me, let me give you a Bible. And we give them a Bible. And they say, would you like to sit down and study together? Nope. Let me read it for myself. Okay. And so about a week later, you see this person, and they're out in their backyard, and they've got wood and sticks and so forth, and they're building something, and then pretty soon they come dragging a lamb out there. You say, what are you doing? <laughs> well, I'm going to offer a sacrifice just like they did in Genesis. You know, Cain and Abel, you know, Abel. He said, whoa, 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 wait a minute. <laughs> that was for them. That's not really for you. Maybe you should keep reading. Okay. And so you see them a few days later. And they've got their bags all packed. And they're getting ready to head out. And he's like, what are you doing? I'm heading for the promised land. Just like Abraham. Wait a minute. God was talking to Abraham. He was taking him on a journey. Okay. So about a week later, you see him again. And this time he's all dressed up in a robe. And what are you doing? Well, I'm a priest. Just like when God told Moses in the desert. You know? Wait a minute. You're not a Levite. So about that time, he says, maybe we could have that Bible study. Father, which dispensation are you living under? Which part of it directly applies to you now? Are you living under the patriarchal dispensation? Are you living under the Mosaic dispensation? Or are you living under the Christian dispensation and the new covenant following Jesus Christ? So does it make any difference? 
So I would tell that young lady I was talking about, not to be critical, but to encourage. Think about what you just said. She's a wonderful young person. I believe sincerely she wants to serve God. But if you want to serve God, we got to do it this way. Not just my way. And so people will ask, what difference does it make? Well, I think it makes a lot of difference. Peter said, over in 1 Peter chapter 3 and about verse 15, Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks for the hope that is within you with meekness and fear. And so that's all I'm saying. If a person asks me what I believe, they have every right to ask me what I believe. Why do you practice the things that you practice? And they are within their rights to ask me. And then it becomes my responsibility to tell them. (laughs) This is why I practice. This is what I believe. This is why I do this. And, And point to it. And to show them why. That's fair, isn't it? Isn't that reasonable? So, if they have a right to ask me, then I have a right to ask them. And not just say, as I look around out in the world today, and as you can look even here in Platte City, right? There are various congregations, there are various religious groups I am not attacking them. There's good folks in them. All I'm asking is this. Do you match what they're practicing with what you find in here? And they have the same thing to ask me. Are you practicing? Can you show me from here why you do the things you do? And that's fair, isn't it? Not far from here. There's several of us that are familiar with Vivian Road. Vivian Road Church of Christ. You know what Vivian Road used to be referred to as? I'm talking about the street. That used to be referred to as Church Road. (laughs) Because you could drive down Vivian Road and there's a church, and there's a church, and there's a church, and there's a church. (laughs) And they're all different. And teaching different things about salvation, about how to worship, how to serve God, how to serve within the world. And so I just ask, is is God okay with that? Ephesians 5, be not unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. 2 Timothy 2, study so that you can handle the right. In 2 Timothy 3, you've been given everything you need. We're studying 1 Corinthians, right? We'll get to chapter 14. And you know what Paul is saying in verse 33? God is not the author of confusion. <laughs> and if this ain't confusing, <laughs> then I don't understand the word. <laughs> and he says he's not. And in the first chapter, he pleads with them 
to all speak the same thing, to all be of the same mind and be of the same judgment. Paul never did tell them, just believe in God, and from there, it's just whatever you believe. Whatever you want to practice. About salvation, about worship, about how to serve God, about relationships. We all serve the same God. That same God is the God who created us. That same God is the one who is all-powerful. He's the one that is all-knowing. He's the one that delivered this word to us the way it is, knowing you and I and how we are. And can we read it? Can we understand it? Can we make application of it? And he says, you can. And you know what Jesus said about this word? He said the same word will judge you in that last day. So to me, that's motivation. (laughs) Read it. Study it. Share it with others. Ask what's the right thing to do. Sincere hearts. Knowing God is not the author of confusion. But he desires for us to be one. That's what Paul says in chapter 1 and about verse 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1, I'm going to read that. About verse 10, he says, Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Verse 11. For it has been declared to me concerning you, my brethren, by those of Chloe's household, that there are contentions among you. Now I say this, that each one of you says, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, I am of Cephas, I am Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? Paul says you're you're following after various, various men. And there's divisions among you. Was Christ divided? So now here's where the rubber meets the road. I'm not attacking people. I hope people believe that. But I am appealing. Right within my own neighborhood, I've talked to various ones, and they'll tell me, I'm a Baptist. Okay. I don't hate you because of that. <laughs> I would ask you, did you, why do you practice the things you practice? You have a right to ask me. <laughs> My great-grandfather was the Sunday school superintendent and song leader for the Green Ridge Methodist Church. I'm not Methodist. I don't believe exactly the same way he believed. I don't practice the same thing he practices. The hate? <laughs> Absolutely not. I never met him. <laughs> I only read about him. But I don't find that. And so we could go down the line. 
Do you follow what I'm saying? Just what to say. Chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians, Paul will say, I wanted to speak to you as mature, but even now I can't. And he recognizes because of their divisions that they are still carnal. They are following after men. They are not spiritually mature. And he said, so I fed you with milk instead of with meat. The application could be made today. Maybe we need to go back to the milk for some folks. Whoa, 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 let's back up. And let's just see what it says. John 10 and verse 16, Jesus says, speaking to the Jews, He said, I have other sheep which are not of this fold, but I must bring them and they will hear my voice and there will be one shepherd and one sheepfold. Does that sound like there's going to be just a whole bunch? <laughs> That's just the milk of the word, right? Jesus said there's one. And there's one shepherd. And did that one shepherd tell a whole bunch of different people different things about being saved and about how to organize as a church, a local group, and how to worship him? Or did he tell them all the same? I think he told them all the same. That's why Paul said, study to show yourself approved. Rightly dividing, handling accurately the word of truth. And so we recognize, I don't live under that patriarchal dispensation. I don't live under that mosaic dispensation. I live under the Christian dispensation. I live under the new covenant and Jesus Christ is the one who brought it and so I'm seeking to follow after him and do what he says in this covenant about salvation, about worship, about serving him. So as our practice is here, we study from the Old Testament on Wednesday. We study from the New Testament book on Sunday mornings. And then we have sermons that go back and forth. So as I mentioned here recently in a Wednesday evening class, whenever you're studying God's Word, there's sort of the skeleton and then there's the meat on the bones, right? We talked about that. So as you look at the skeleton, there's four covenants in that Old Testament. There's one with Noah. There's one with Abraham. There's one with Israel. And there's one with David. So just kind of condensing it down to the driving point behind each one of those. What's that covenant with Noah tell me? He placed a rainbow in the clouds and he said, I will never destroy the earth again by water. And so what he was saying was, we will always have a place to live together and to work together. That's that covenant. And then he made a covenant with Abraham. And he called him out from Ur of the Chaldees. Walk before me and be thou blameless. 
And through your seed, I am going to bless all nations of the earth. Through your descendants, Abraham, I'm going to bring one that is going to bless all nations. That was the covenant with him. And then he made a covenant with Israel when he brought them out of Egyptian bondage to Mount Sinai and entered into a covenant with them. And he said, I am holy, therefore you shall be holy. And what God was doing with that nation is entering into a covenant with them so the rest of the world could see what it was like to have a group of people that are in covenant relationship with God and what a blessing it is. That's the covenant that he made with them. And then he made a covenant with David. And he told David, through your descendants, I'm going to set one on the throne of my kingdom. And that kingdom will never have an end. And he will rule forever. We will always have a place to work together. I will bless all nations through your seed. You will be a testimony to the rest of the world. And my king will sit on that throne forever. And do you know where all four of those covenants find their fulfillment? In the fifth one. In the new covenant. We will always have a place to work together. Where is that? It's in that kingdom. I will bless all nations through your seed, Abraham. Did he break a blessing through Jesus Christ? Absolutely. Did he enter into a covenant relationship with a group of people that would be a testimony to the rest of the world? That's his church. You're the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And is that king sitting on that eternal throne? He sure is. They're all fulfilled. That's the skeleton. And you put the meat on the bones. And you understand, which covenant do I live under now? And how should I serve Him? And there's one king. (laughs) There's one kingdom. There's one shepherd. There's one fold. That sound like there's a whole bunch. <laughs> and it doesn't make any difference. In John the 17th chapter, and about verses 20 and 21, on that night in which Jesus with his apostles, that particular occasion, the night in which he was going to be betrayed, he prayed to the Father. And he said, Father, I pray not for these alone. So those that were with him right there. He said, but I pray for all those who come to believe on me through their word. That they all may be one, Father. As I am in you and you are in me. That they may be one in us. Does that sound like there's a whole bunch? Or does it sound like there's one? And does it sound like? It makes any difference. Book of Isaiah. 
the 55th chapter. And so God has said, understand what the will of the Lord is. He has said, study to show yourself approved. He has given that word which is all our all-sufficient guide. Let me read to you from the book of Isaiah, the 55th chapter, beginning at verse 6. It says, Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near. Let the wicked forsake His way and the unrighteous man His thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and He will have mercy on him. And to our God, for He will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor my ways your ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and do not return there but water the earth, and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. What did he just say? God has got a design for the natural world. The rain comes down, the snow comes down, it waters the earth, and what happens? It brings forth seed. And bringing forth seed, you can have plants and you can make bread. (laughs) I've given a natural order to things. But now follow. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it will accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. You know what I say? This word that you can read, that you can understand, that you've got to study, but it's an all-sufficient guide. You can know the will of the Lord, and you can make application of it. And this word will accomplish the purpose for which He sent it forth. And you know what this word will do? It'll separate. It'll separate between those who want it and those who don't want it. That's Hebrews 4, about verse 12. His word is active and sharper than any two-edged sword. And it divides. That's what He's saying. And He said, this word that's come forth from my mouth, it'll accomplish just like the rain and the snow coming down accomplishes what I want it to, this word will accomplish. So does it make any difference? Yeah, it makes a difference. Are we all going to the same place? You ever hear people say that sometimes? Well, what difference does it make? We're all going to the same place, aren't we? Let me give you a little food for thought before we get really into that. So, person might ask me, are we all going to the same place? And you know what my answer would be to that is? Yes, we are. We're all, we are all going to the same place. Have I got you interested? (laughs) I hope so. So stay with me. It may just not be the place that they think. (laughs) But my definitive answer to that question is immediately. Yeah. We're all going to the same place. But stay with me. 
So sometimes people will say, well, you know, the Bible teaches a lot of ways to get to heaven. And sometimes it's illustrated like going from one place to another. You know, my wife live and I live here in Kansas City, but we used to have relatives living out in California and stuff. That's where we grew up and all that kind of stuff. So we used to go back quite often and we would drive. You know, there's various ways to get from Kansas City to California. You can take this highway, and you can take I-70 and leave here. You can head south and go down 40. And there's various ways. And sometimes people think that's the way it is going to heaven. Well, you can just go your way and I'll go my way and we'll just, we're all going the same place, aren't we? And once again, I just kind of smile about that and go, yeah, <laughs> we are. We're not going where you think. <laughs> but there's some place where we're all going. You just need to be enlightened to where that place is. So in Matthew, the seventh chapter, Jesus addresses this concept we could say. Matthew chapter 7, I'm going to read from verse 13 and then verse 14. Jesus says, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Now what's Jesus saying? Enter in by that narrow gate. Because there's another choice. And it's a whole lot broader. And many go that way. But do you know where that road leads? That leads to destruction. Now what you and I have got to do is to stop and think about which road am I traveling? Which gate have I entered in by? Now I know a lot of you probably remember this fella. I know Gerald remembers him. Played for the Yankees. He was a catcher. You know his name, Gerald? Yogi Berra. Yogi's known for his famous sayings. And he had ones that would go along with this. Yogi used to say, when you come to the fork in the road, take it. <laughs> well, that's what folks do. <laughs> they come to the fork in the road and, and they take it. There'll be some that will go the narrow way. But Jesus said there'll be a whole lot that are going to go that broad way. And it's unfortunate because that Broadway leads to destruction. But it's easy. Verse 14. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. Now I want to ask, isn't it kind of sad that Jesus says most, many, are traveling that broad way. He says narrow is the way that leads to life. There might be a whole lot of ways to get from Kansas City to California. 
But that's not what Jesus is saying about entering into life and going to heaven. He said, you've got to follow that narrow way. In John 14, once again on that last night that he was with his apostles, he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except by me. That's just one way. So it's not my opinion. It's not somebody else's opinion. That's what he says about it. Jude, over in Jude 3, Jude 3, he says to contend, that means fight for it. Contend earnestly for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. And when he says the faith, that's not just mental ascension that Jesus is the Christ. That's the faith. The truth that God has revealed within His Word that teaches on all those subjects about salvation and about the church and about worship and about serving and about marriage and about divorce and all these other topics that Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 7. That's the faith. Jude says contend for that. When Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus in chapter 4 and verse 5, he said there is one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. When he says there's one Lord, that's the same as what Jesus is talking about when there's one shepherd. And then he says there's one faith. Not many, not a multitude but the one that has been revealed. And then he says there's one baptism. And what that means is there's one practice. So it's just standing in place of all that we believe and practice about salvation, about the church, about worship, about all those things. And so once again, I remind you, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 10, you all be of the same mind, you all speak the same thing, you be of the same judgment, you be perfectly joined together. Same thing he says in chapter 14 and verse 33, God is not the author of confusion. But there's one. So let me ask you a question. Give you another illustration. Let's suppose we just decided to do a little survey. And we went up here to Price Chopper. They're fairly busy on Saturday afternoon. And we just stood out front with the clipboard and piece of paper and say, excuse me, I'm trying to get to heaven. Could you tell me how to get there? Now, how many answers do you think you would get? If you could get them to talk to you. You probably get just about as many answers as the number of people that you talk to. But if you want to know the answer, then we got to look here. Because some people would even tell you, I don't even believe in God. I don't believe in life after this one's over. This is one of these old pioneer preacher sayings that I've kept stored that 
I like to use at the right moment. Some people think you're just like Rover. You know the rest of it? When you're dead, you're dead all over. About a year ago, I buried my dog Tucker up on the hill in our backyard. I don't think he'll ever be resurrected. <laughs> it's like Rover, it's over. <laughs> but with you and I, it's not like that. And he's told us that truth within his word too. First Corinthians 15. He'll call. And the trouble will sound. And the dead will rise. And those who are alive will be changed. In the moment. In the twinkling of eye. Because that's the truth of what his word says. So if I'm generally interested. In going to heaven. Then I got to go. His way. And it makes a difference what you believe. See, because Jesus said over in Luke 6 and about verse 46, Why call me Lord, Lord, and then do not the things which I say? Matthew 7 and about verse 21 closes the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says, Not everyone who says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father which is in heaven. Now I want to read verse 22 to you. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Cast out demons in your name? And done many wonders in your name? Now sometimes, when we think about Jesus, we think about people's relationship with Jesus, we think about, well, yeah, those who are not religious, <laughs> those who are not spiritually minded, those who are not really interested, well, yeah, I understand you know, that they're going to be separated. That's not who Jesus is talking to. Did you notice that? He's talking to religious folks. Verse 22. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Cast out demons in your name? Done many wonders in your name? Verse 23. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. You who practice Lawlessness. Did you believe there was one shepherd? Did you believe there was one Lord? Did you believe there was one faith? Did you believe there was one baptism? Did you understand what the will of the Lord was? Did you study to know it? Does it make any difference? Yeah. Writer of Hebrews, chapter 5, about verse 9. He has become the author of salvation.
to all those who obey Him. So yeah, we're all going someplace. But where are we going? Jeremiah 10, about verse 23. Jeremiah said, O Lord, we know that the way of man is not in himself. It's not in man that walks to direct his own footsteps. So God's the one who created us. God's the one who has delivered His Word to us. God's the one who knows what's best for us. God is the one who has planned this plan, or given us the plan of salvation. And I should not elevate my opinion or my thoughts above or up and equal to God's thoughts and God's ways. I should seek to understand His thoughts and His ways. Because it makes a difference. Because we are headed someplace. And we are all, we are all going to go to the same place. Now listen. John 12 and verse 48. He who rejects me and receiveth not my sayings has one who judges him. This same word which I have spoken shall judge him in that day. What day is that? That's judgment day. And you know where I'm going? You know where you're going? You know where everybody's going? We're going to stand before the throne of Christ. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ to give an account for the things which we have done in the body, whether they be good or bad. Verse 11, Therefore, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Am I trying to be critical? (laughs) No, I'm just trying to appeal to what God's Word says. Because we are all going someplace. And we're going to the same place first. judgment seat of Christ when that trumpet sounds the dead in Christ will rise those who are alive will be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye and we'll stand before the Lord he's given a word He's a fair and impartial judge. We can be thankful for that. But that great grandfather that I mentioned, he'll be there. And grandma too. And my parents, they'll be there. Brothers and sisters, W. Friends, acquaintances, they'll all be there. And I'll be there, and you'll be there. We'll all be there. That's where we'll meet. We'll meet.
one last time. We will come together. But when we leave, what we did in this life will determine whether or not we leave together. Because you know what Matthew 25 says? We'll appear before that throne. And then he will separate the sheep from the goats. So, let me ask you. What difference does it make? It makes an eternal difference. That's what difference does it make. So am I trying to be critical? No. And if a person asks me, they have every right to challenge me and say, show me from God's word, that all-sufficient God. What do you believe and what do you practice? I believe it's essential for a person to believe on Jesus Christ because Jesus said, unless you believe that I am He, you will die in your sins. I believe it's essential for us to repent and turn back to Him because Jesus said, unless you repent, you shall all likewise perish. I believe it's essential for us to confess Jesus. Confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father which is in heaven. Deny me before men, I'll deny you before my Father which is in heaven. I believe it's essential for a person to be buried in water for the washing away of their sins. Because Jesus said, he that believes and is baptized shall be saved. He that disbelieves shall be condemned. I believe based upon what John says that if a person is a Christian and if they confess their sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. God's Word. That guy. What difference does it make? It makes all the difference between heaven and hell. It's a huge difference. That's why. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 11, we persuade men. That's the lesson. We'll extend the invitation. If we can help anyone that is here in making your relationship right with the Lord, you let us know while together we stand and while we sing.